0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi and welcome back to the Amarprenor podcast. I'm really excited today to bring to you a very special guest with me on this episode. And of course, you guys know me, I always bring you special guests. And this is Sister Amal Kasir. Amal, assalamu alaikum, welcome to the podcast. Wa
1: alaikum, <laughs> assalam wa rahmatullahi I'm so happy to be here today.
0: Definitely. I'm happy to have you. And thank you so much for joining me. And just to let the guests know a little bit about you, uh, Amal is an international award-winning spoken word poet, mashallah, and she's given multiple TED Talks. She's toured around the United States, and she's also involved in humanitarian initiatives for Syria. And I want you to share with us a little bit, Amal, if that's okay with you, in your own words, what it is that you do at the moment.
1: I think the, the phrase storytelling activism has has been a a repeating ones to come up. And it's right now, especially after this post-COVID world and what I was doing before COVID, really what my work entailed was going to different communities across the United States, across the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and tapping in to the deeper part of the human heart through the stories of Surya and through the stories of, of those going through social, political turmoil and, and the life I'm mm-hmm. so, um, Really, it's to like, unearth the humanity that that tends to be like coded deep inside of these like controversial topics so
0: mm.
1: activism through stories it really Ooh,
0: that's me. a that's a heavy one that's a heavy one that you just threw on me there i'm so you know it's interesting that you're throwing this at me right now because i um i've been actually for for not even near of a noble cause is what you're sharing but I, i've been interested in storytelling recently and it was for a more selfish reason i'm trying to become a better storyteller to become to be able to create content, whether it's through the podcast and through the videos and the things that we do that people are more engaged with. Because one thing that I've noticed is that people generally, you know, as human beings, we are attracted to story. We want to care. We want, we want you to take us on a journey of emotions. And I think for someone who is able to capture stories and then relay them to other people, it is such a beautiful and powerful talent because it will allow you to communicate those emotions and those feelings to other people that might not have been there with you. When you were going through it, but you can try to you know get them to experience the same things that you've experienced. And I think that's so beautiful. Now, why or or what even drove you to be here today? You know, I'm sure you didn't go up thinking that you were going to become this activist storyteller. So, how did you stumble upon where you are today?
1: A lot, you know. The word you use, stumble, is is a right word to use. Mm-hmm. This this was not something I pursued. It was not something I planned for. Um, you know, I I was as eleven as angsty teenager, what was happening in Palestine and Israel, it it caused me to write a poem. Mm -hmm. But it was a poem. I I was writing a speech. There was a lot of metaphors in the speech, but I had not been exposed to the world of spoken word. Um, So, you know, it it was in me to write. It was in me to address leadership from a very young age. But um, subhanAllah, you know, a a slam poetry event came to the school. I was the first hijabi on the Brave New Voices international stage. Um, Mm and then the war in surya really really started um and so in a lot of ways what was happening overseas the 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 violence that was taking place and the and the lack of awareness that was happening over here Mm -hmm. um kind of put me in a position that made it necessary for me to tell my story and it it was it it wasn't the easiest you know it's a scary thing for a kid to go out there and, and talk politics on a stage with all these adults and I was, I was 16 years old, really, when I started diving into this. It's, it's been a decade. I'm, I'm 26 now. I've been doing this public speaking performance poetry thing for a whole decade. And um, it, the, the transformation over time has been wild. But, but to answer your question, I stumbled into it through a poetry slam. And, and the war in Syria made sure that there was always something important to talk about.
0: Mm, SubhanAllah. You know, being a being a child and putting yourself out there on stage, I can't imagine uh, how that must feel, especially as adults. It's even harder. You put yourself on stage uh, at the age of 16 and then you continue to do so uh, and you continue to do so up to this day. So what is it about you that drives you in those moments when you're about to go on stage and you can feel the pressure and the nervousness and, you know, the uh, kind of like the the weight of all these eyes that are going to be staring at you as as you go up there?
1: There are some stages where the pressure is more than others, certainly. Um,
0: mm.
1: For example, the, the TED Talk that I yeah. did. Um, I don't usually get nervous. I, I love this. You know, when I was little, when I was in kindergarten, I was like Sally, the leader, the player, and everything. So I wasn't unaccustomed to um, that kind of attention, I guess you could say. But when it came to the TED Talk, I was nervous. Mm. I was really worried that I could I could maybe impact someone's perception of Islam, of the deen. Because no matter what, no matter what, when you go up there publicly with the hijab on and you are a Muslim, whether you want it or not, you are representing the deen. Correct. Heavy burden. It really is. And yeah. I remember someone taught me the, the dua. My cousin told me the dua of Musa, And, رَبَ شْرَحْ لِصَدْرِي وَسِرْ لِأَمْرِي وَحَلَ عَفْلِي وَسَانِي I remember i had this like in my note card on in my hand and i'm like my hands are sweating and like there's like a little bit of like sharpie on my fingers and i i remember thinking imagining musa salam who had a speech impediment i mean he 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 did not have the natural eloquence the natural water flowing from his mouth you know um how and he was he wasn't going to address 3000 white people he was going to address the pharaoh mm. <laughs> so, Perception, perspective, and, and and aligning yourself with your intention. I always say sincerity is way more important than confidence on these stages because even if your hands are shaking and your knees are trembling and you're stuttering, if you are speaking the truth and you are sincere in it, the truth will stand mightier than than even yeah. confidence. You know, so. Perspective is very important.
0: Do you have a do you have like a pre pre-speaking routine like someone listening to this that's that's interested in public speaking and inshallah perhaps getting on stage one day and sharing their own story their own message mm-hmm. is there any advice that you can give them that helped you you know get comfortable in those situations and and be who who you are today
1: yeah. uh, I was a waitress at my father's restaurant for 6 years mm-hmm. so um you learn how to navigate the awkward in those situations mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> the fact of the matter is you tumble on your tongue Whoops. Laugh at your own jokes if no one else laughs. I have a lot of time doing that, and and don't. I think we become so so worried about um, how multiple eyes are going to judge us, mm. you know. And that that is the fear of public speaking is the number one fear of the United the United States, and number two is death. So Jerry Seinfeld said it. He said more people would rather be in the casket than read the eulogy, and wow. yeah, it's it's wild, and so. To go up there, yani it is is—it is a privilege from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is power in it. Again, even if you're stuttering, even if you're unprepared. And so uh, I think the advice that I have, um, so there, there's like the like soul advice, you know, um, be confident, be sincere, know your message, have some clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the other side of things, which is practice your speeches out loud, out I'm- loud. Months. If, if you're practicing your speech quietly and you get up on a stage and you hear your voice for the very first time that's going to startle even you um been there for sure <laughs> but they say clarity of message um and and and, a, and, a, and, a, and sincerity knowing why you're there you know these are going to be things that really they break through the element they break through the stutter they break through even the forgetfulness they're able to yeah. To latch on to something that's human and spiritual it is a spiritual thing you're inciting you're connecting to people's hearts you're moving them you're making them think of their past and their future that's really powerful work uh,
0: so. Subhanallah. what do you think of you of the uh the way the media and and the world is reacting to what is going on in ukraine at the moment versus how the real world reacted uh, when what what happened in Syria began, and also what is currently happening in Palestine.
1: Yeah. You know, people are people, and and I think I don't think most people are aware of how colossal this double standard is, mm. how shameful it is. I mean, a couple weeks ago, Germany started evicting Afghani refugees to make room for the Ukrainians. What a confusing humanity that is. Mm. And I I think, I mean, yes, the media is corrupt. Yes, the hypocrisy against brown people and Muslims and and, and non-white immigrants is just obscene. Um, What I know about Ukraine is that people care. There isn't a humanitarian mobilization of people who really wouldn't care about suffering otherwise so they're showing war they're showing suffering and this is good now it is the responsibility of the storytellers and the poets and the people who are willing to do this like this this work that we shouldn't have to do to just remind them that 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 humanity does not humanity is not just white right now Mm. donate to uber to support ukraine and all but um Allah, we are forgetful and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes us as such, Adam alayhi salam, in the word insan, to describe the human being in Arabic comes from the word insan, it's from the same root. And I like to think that ignorance is, is not always chosen, so when it comes to Ukraine, the way I've reconciled this, is it is a mass ignorance that is taking place in the hearts of man and a mass political initiative and a manufactured controversy to get weapons overseas by the corporations of the country. two separate mm. two separate conversations mm. it's compassionate and one is uh political and uh, very very corrupt about
0: do you feel like sometimes you're kind of like yelling at a wall like you're, you're expressing yourself and you're putting these words out there but there there isn't enough enough change happening
1: I stopped yelling a long time ago because my throat my throat was was dying out. So I just try to make the wall cry instead. Mm. <laughs> I make the wall cry. Ideally.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. Now it's of course
1: for sure. It's very easy to get jaded with this work.
0: It is for sure. Um, and I didn't mean to offend you this question, but I'm just being real, right? Uh, in, in a situation that you are in. I mean, I can imagine that someone at some point will be like, well. I mean, we've been saying this for years. Uh, How how much longer do we have to keep saying this kind of thing, right? And, of course, I mean, that would be a defeatist attitude to look at it that way, wouldn't it?
1: You know, I'm not going to pretend like I've been able to keep the spirits up. They've transformed, for sure. I mean, our understanding of what Victoria, then it was, you know, it was revolution. It was surviving the bombs and things like that. Now it's like, Inshallah, we can get some bread to the starving people on Eid. You know, you have to mm-hmm. reinterpret what progress looks like and, and what success mm-hmm. and good looks like over time, um, or else you will have no reason to have hope. There, There is no reason to have hope unless you find that reason. Mm-hmm. And, and you must look very closely and pay attention to, to the details of humanity. Allah mm-hmm. tests His creation. It's easy to overlook, and we can't, we can't, there's always a big picture. We, we, we have to just change the perspective on that big picture sometimes. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm uh, based in Canada. Where are you?
1: I'm in Houston, Texas right
0: now. Houston, Texas, amazing. Texas has a has a pretty awesome Muslim community. I've heard the
1: best food in America, without <laughs> it. without the food scene, is outstanding.
0: That's amazing. Honestly, like I definitely love to co- come visit Texas at some point because there's like so many also amazing like uh, Muslim speakers that I follow that are based out of there. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you've ever been to it. It might not be close to you, but Roots Roots Institute in Dallas-Fort Worth. Dallas, in the podcast. Dallas
1: is about five hour drive.
0: from here. Oh, okay, so it's not too close to you then. Okay, maybe. We can feel it. We know. Right. <laughs> we can feel it. I love that. <laughs> SubhanAllah. But yeah, it's awesome to see how there's a there's a pretty strong uh, Muslim community in Texas, which is which is in the south. It's something that you wouldn't expect, isn't it? Which is interesting.
1: Yeah. In Houston, you're on in the inside. And, and being because I'm born and raised in Denver. So mm-hmm. I'm from the mountains. I like to make sure the, the Texans know that, you know. Um, and it was very white, and I did not know how white it was until I left Houston back to Denver and spent some time there. And I was like, <laughs> I "You won't get used to it. There's hijabis everywhere, everywhere, everywhere you go. There's Arabs. Really? You are not. It's the first time living in a city where I'm not a stranger. The is that? Do
0: you feel like there is?" Is there any animosity because of that from people who might not be Muslim and Arab there to be like, well, you guys are kind of like taking over the space right now? Have you felt that or have you experienced that at all? Or was it the opposite? Was it more like a welcoming vibe?
1: That's a very interesting question. I would imagine that that sentiment existed way before they became such a large population. At this point, these are like the, the, the CEOs of the companies. These are people mm-hmm. starting startups. The Muslims are... I mean, they are educated here. There is an intellectual, um, it, it's in the realm of intellect and, and progress, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: SubhanAllah, so uh, yeah. that's kind of amazing. And that's good to hear because, you know, ultimately, as Muslims, even with an entrepreneur, that is pretty much our mission. It's how we can change the narrative through entrepreneurship, through business, through being able to contribute to our communities in a different way and make ourselves a seat at the table. And I think. You know being contributors to our communities is a big part of that right of not just being there and being like well yes i'm here to you know uh kind of benefit just like everyone else but rather think of how how can i provide value right being here and i think you know islam uh, subhanallah uh, so beautifully uh, is um is growing at an exponential rate despite despite what we see in the media right despite all the all the negativity that we see in the media and all the negative pictures subhanallah, Islam is still one of the fastest growing religions in the world, if not the fastest growing. Uh, last time I checked, and it is set to be one of the biggest, well, the biggest religion in, in the world, I, I believe. Um, I forget if it was like by the year, like 2050 or 2070 or something. I'm forgetting the stat. So don't take my word for it. But I know that it's set to be on course to be the biggest religion in the world and surpass Christianity. And looking at that and uh, looking at um, you know, subhanAllah, the pace that Islam is growing, I think a big part of it, a big reason of that is that more and more, this interconnected world that we have is going past the media and connecting people to people more and more, whether it's through social media, whether it's through people mixing, you know, in cultures and religions in different areas, just like Texas, so beautifully, right, where you have a, a Muslim population, a Christian population, other populations that are all mixing together. And then for people to see, oh, well, you're not this, you know, crazy desert person that I see on the news, you're, you're normal a contributive member of society and your values are pretty awesome and you're kind and you're generous and you have a a beautiful character and wow and and you tell yeah that's because that's what the prophet taught us you know and just oh really so that's what it is and i feel like people don't really know that people don't really get to see that until they actually meet a muslim and experience that for themselves you know
1: Absolutely. we shouldn't be shy we shouldn't be so i see it sometimes where like we don't interact with the other side and and you know, my mom's a convert. My mom's white. My oh, yeah. my uncle's name is Bruce and Jim and Ken. You know, and I have Amo Khalid Muhammad. And <laughs> and it's, it's if 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 my mother was deprived of Islam simply because the Pakistani family didn't put their daughter in their sixth grade class. Tell my mom found Islam, a sixth grader in her class in Iowa, and and if if we deprive. The others with this beautiful message, Ya Allah. What a theft to the people. Mm. This might be crazy to say, but I believe that Islam will heal the wounds in this country because this is a country in pain. You don't mm. go out and, and there's you don't slaughter and you don't there's no high school shootings. There's no there's no there's none of that in a healthy functioning society, but there are a lot of wounds here you know, and, and Islam is a beautiful religion that will heal us too, inshallah, if we let it, you
0: know. Why well, do you think that is?
1: Why word? do you think, yes. Mm, in the context of the of, of the non-Muslims or of the Muslims?
0: You know what, wherever the option you want to take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> causing the wounds. You know, I believe um, I believe it has, it starts with the family. Mm. It the family we're inheriting a lot of generation uh, a lot of generational trauma that's coming on we are in a position so my other job in addition to being a poet is i'm a program manager of a muslim youth mental health program and we are experiencing something right now that is is it's so upsetting and it's so stigmatized that when this study came out we were like how is that possible in august 2021 um just last year a few months ago they found that muslims in the united states have the highest rate of attempted suicide out of wow. any minority muslims it's us man wow. that's, that's that's wild and and i i don't see it so much as a we have the added pressure of our identity but i think when we strip the the, the muslim part and just keep it at humanity there is a lot of, of domestic violence that is happening from from one family to the next, then the kid hits his kid, and then the kid—it's just going down. We have, we 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 have lost this deep connection to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, and instead we're living amongst the society, and the society is almost our god in a lot of ways. Um, it's, it's scary stuff. Um, we're gatekeeping the the and the institutions. If we're talking Islamically, it might be the massages in some places, and in, in others it could just be the school or the church. You know. People are leaving. The, the, the institutions are, are far more political than they are spiritual. And if we don't even have a safe home to go back to, how are we supposed to grow and thrive, you know? Rasulullah everything that this deen did was to keep the heart upright and to make sure that, that the integrity of the family was protected through the gender aspect, through the business aspect, through all these various things. And, we are we are broken right now, and, and not just the non-Muslims. The Arabs are in pain. The ISIS are in pain. We are. Look at our nations. Hmm. Look at the Middle East. Look at, at the, the the state of the militarism and the leadership. Something is not right, and I believe it starts in the home. It's very loaded to like get started. Yeah, that,
0: that's an but that's an interesting perspective, you know. And I think I I think you are correct in in some shape or form um but and, and i I acknowledge that it starts there. I acknowledge that it starts there, but i also part of me also unfortunately believes that uh part of it as well is is that it was done on there was some sort of- intentionality behind all of this, and that it it wasn't just happenstance and that yes, of course, I think the first place that we need to begin as Muslims is our homes. what can we do within our relationships, within our families to ensure That we build, um, you know, contributive members of society that are, you know, well raised, that are emotionally stable, that have the love of the home, that have, you know, that comfort of the home, that have, you know, that understanding with their parents and, you know, that support system that every person needs and every human needs and that belonging. But at the same time, you know, when you look at some of these countries, as you mentioned and you know I'm so I'm so grateful to be uh, living in Canada. Hundred, I think Canada is a beautiful country, and I, I absolutely love it. And um, the U.S. also, it's an awesome country. But you look at you look at some of the, the countries in the Middle East not that—they're not good. But I think there was this intentionality behind, you know, the state that they're in. And I think that it, it is not it is not solely based off of society, but also based off of geopolitical circumstances that have caused these areas to be in this state at the moment and it was very intentional it yeah. it, it wasn't random
1: i appreciate that perspective and, and and it it is very clear that the leaders and the scholars and those who are up above are the ones who are more accountable for the doom of of, of mankind because mm. so right
0: it's tough. And then you look at uh, but then you look at the prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, shout out. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't want this podcast to be political, but I said it was going to be a natural conversation guys. And that's what I wanted it to be. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but shout out to Justin Trudeau, um, you know, love the guy, but his policies sometimes I don't really agree with. And, um, you know, th- that's an interesting thing though. Can I just mention one thing real quick is that like people don't differentiate anymore between the human being and their actions. And I think that's a very unfortunate thing, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that, even when it comes to just your friends or people that you know or your family, if someone does something that you don't agree with, you automatically don't like the person. But why can't you just not like the action, yeah. and and separate it from the person? And and the reason why I'm saying that is because I was actually following. I'm gonna finish this discourse, I promise. But I was actually following uh, uh, Justin Trudeau's Twitter because he was he made a post recently. He was like, oh, he went to Ukraine. He acknowledged that like you know Russia is doing war crimes, and I was looking at that and I was like angry within me. I was like, we've been literally signing like million signature petitions trying to get you to acknowledge the war crimes in Israel, Israel and Palestine, and like nothing's being done ever, right? Um no acknowledgment is are being given, completely like sweep it under the rug. Um and it's just frustrating, right? But at the same time, then I look at his Twitter and and of course a lot of canadians that don't agree with his policies, his ratings aren't super high right now. And you know there's people that in the comments are like calling for his death and his murder and I'm like whoa that's that's geez. Like that's really extreme like like. why do you want someone to die because they don't agree with this policies like that's that's insane to me that human beings go that far i don't know it is insane
1: i, I wonder if that has to do with like we're, we're a very like consuming society like we consume mm. media we consume entertainment even the school the feeds on our cell phones and it's like like don't like follow unfollow mm-hmm. tune it tune out you know it's it's very like one-minded in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, you know
0: do you feel like it's led to people having more extreme views? Because even you look at the U.S. yourself and you said it's, a, it's, it's pretty much in a wounded state right now, which, which is clear in just the things that are happening. And, and more and more, the U.S. has taken a very extreme and polarizing stance. And I don't know if that's because it's the way it is or it's because that's the way they, the media shows it to be. But people are generally becoming more, more extreme in their perspectives and opinions on things, whereas being moderate and having an open mind is like less and less common. I could even, be wrong. Even the
1: open-mindedness is a little like fascist sometimes, you know. wild. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I think, like you know, you have people that are so liberal and open-minded that if you don't agree with that their realm of morality, if all the little moral things they have on their shelf, you are an oppressor and some kind of bad person. And I, I. From a, from a, I, I don't want to call myself a retired activist, but having stepped away from the political and really focused on like the human heart and the introspective, there was a there was a way in which we like took our oppression and we wore it like a badge. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? And it's like we forget that this human reality is on a spectrum. The oppressed can oppress people. You know what I mean? Like we 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 can easily we can be the wrong ones, even in our own right side. And I, I think there's a lack of humility. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of humility. And, and it's like, it's like a soccer game. I've been in a soccer game. I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm ready to like fight. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going with it, we're gonna fight and, and politics is feeling a lot more like sports these days. It's know, it, isn't feel. it?
0: Yeah. Why do you think that's happening?
1: empowering you know we, we've really been stripped of a lot of our own, own thoughts and progress I, you know that, that's an interesting question um, I think I think these have something to do with it mm-hmm. I, I think the way the world is consuming the algorithm that has been tailored just for them and their, their bubble it's very dangerous we're not being exposed to things that are different from us You know, we're we're not, we're not really aware. I I try to, one piece of advice I give young people who want to be activists, read right-wing news, news, read left-wing news, and then read read like Reuters or AP, the one in the middle, that they get their information from. See how all sides are telling the story because if you're being exposed in the, you're in a snow globe of one opinion, everyone outside of it's going to look like a demon and a monster, you know what I mean? They got... Buddhists, anyone who knows the Buddhists know that these are not violent people. But then you go to Myanmar, they were slaughtering the Rohingya Muslims, slaughtering in the most obscene and violent ways. And and Facebook was one of the biggest tools that they used. I think we are being trapped into our cell phones with these one-sided perspectives. And, and I think it's very intentional. Like you were talking about, it's like it's like. Phew. Someone higher up is really calling these shots, um, but we're almost feeding into the little algorithm, which is like, yeah, it, it's it's really worrisome.
0: Mm-hmm. So there was a documentary on Netflix actually that I want to recommend. I don't know if you watched it um, about the algorithm, and it was really good, uh, and it showed that very clearly. I think it was called the Social Dilemma. Have you seen the Social Dilemma?
1: Blew my mind. I was yeah, like, I'm a slave. I'm a slave. My attention is the money in which
0: there is Yeah. So I recommend everyone listening to this to give to give it a watch, to watch the social dilemma, just to understand the impact of of social media and how it, you know, it it it's made in a way where, you know, whatever you are engaging with, whatever you are looking at, it wants to give you more because it wants to keep on the platform, right? So as you mentioned, if you're looking at, you know, right wing media, well, it's gonna give you more of that and more of that, and then you're just kind of isolated in your bubble with one opinion, whereas, you know. If you if you were to think back, um, even just you know, uh, ten twenty years ago, you'd read the newspaper, you'd look, you'd watch TV, and yes, there's channels that have, you know, of course, differing opinions. You watch like Fox News versus like CBC, et cetera, et cetera. But you had, you know, you flipping the channels, and you had like five options, and that's it. But now it's it, you were just now you're being spoon fed what you want to hear, and it, to just kind of increase your convictions more and more, and then <laughs> until you, as you mentioned, you think the other side they're complete demons, and, and yeah.
1: You can't, we can't, I don't blame anyone for hating the other side, you know? From mm. I mean, what it looks like all these Muslims are like super crazy terrorists, that's all they're exposed to you know? Mm. But it is important for Muslims to be in the media, but how we're in the media also is going to make a difference, you
0: know? 100%. Yeah. Bringing the conversation back to entrepreneurship and, and poetry, uh, inshallah. So for you, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur?
1: I am working to really develop the business side uh, of my I think I have been, but not not intentionally, not with the awareness and the knowledge of, of how it all works. You
0: know? Now, the thing is, you have uh, you have mashallah um, a pretty awesome following on on Instagram. People who follow you who like to you know re- like listen to uh, you speak and, and and kind of keep up to date with uh, just your opinions and the things that you share, uh, which is really nice to see. And of course, that takes a little bit of entrepreneurship acumen to be able to develop a voice that people can resonate with and connect with, and people can connect connect to. What would you say or what, how would you, what would you credit your ability to help spread your message? Because even if, especially if you tell me something like, well, you know, poetry is one of my things. Well, you, you need people to read it for it to actually make a difference. Don't you? Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you track the eyeballs? Wow.
1: SubhanAllah. That's, that's a, how do we attract our So I, I think there is an element craft, craftsmanship is the word I would use. There is um, an element of polishing and really deeply investing. And in fact, while you were talking and asking this entrepreneurship question, I always imagine like a like business, but, but in a lot of ways, academia can be a form of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And, and I designed my degree um, in a way that would empower me to be able to work with communities in really lasting ways. I mean, the writing hour—that's that's my show on Instagram every week. I come on and I, I I teach writing and we talk about really deep things, and it is it is informed by by, by frameworks and messages of healing, um, and then brought in by my craft and and my dedication to to the art and how to really masterfully um, develop my my eloquence, for example, and improve my vocabulary and and my well-roundedness. So you're you're sort of bringing knowledge of of the worlds and, and the knowledge of the self. Um and and I think you're bringing them together. I, I alhamdulillah, I, I have to give credit to the individuals who um to the activists and the journalists in the community who thought my what my story is worth sharing. Um, when you're doing good work, people will find out about it. That's yeah. what it is. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will know and not even the left hand will be with, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it depend, It really does depend on the heart and what the impact will potentially be. But um, when it comes down to it, do your work excellently as if no one is looking. Do your work sincerely as if no one is looking. And wallahi Allah, this has been true time and time again. To change one life is to change all of mankind. If you get 20 people tuned into your podcast and they walk away having been shaped and moved, you have impacted 20 worlds. 20 distinct worlds, and and the game is rough. And I'm not gonna lie, you know, it gets intimidating because, yeah, you know, alhamdulillah, I got some some followers, but then you look at someone who has more, and you're like, wow, I'm 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 on the bottom of my game, you know, I don't, I don't have the numbers, I don't have the likes, I don't have the, the production company and all of this, and and really, it's it's so important to to, to work and what you do in your niche with your Hasan, mm-hmm. best you can with what you have.
0: Masha'Allah. That was beautiful. And I think that's the most beautiful way to wrap up this episode. Shazakallah for joining us, Sister Ahmad. Where can people go if they want to follow you? If they want to keep up to date with what you're doing?
1: Head to Ahmad the Poet. We have a lot of cool things that are, that are unraveling soon, inshallah. So I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook.
0: Awesome, mashallah. So we'll be linking those links in the uh, description of the episode, guys. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, check the episode notes. If you're watching on YouTube, just check the description. We'll link her social media profile so you can go and follow her and keep up to date with her work. And definitely go and check out her talks on TED. Uh, they're on YouTube, inshallah. They're really nice. And um, uh, go and learn more about what she does. And uh, um, I just like Khir for joining us. This was an absolute uh, amazing episode. I really enjoyed every minute of it. Just like Thanks, like. So Thanks for who's
1: listening.
0: All right, take care. Assalamu alaikum. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa yeah,
1: alaikum